Good afternoon, good evening, whatever is appropriate for you. Welcome to Smoking and Toasting. Those guys are crazy. Show number 39. Uh, and uh, this is the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. And we're going to have to say that the craft beer, we're almost going to have to put craft beer in quotes now, because there's this huge argument among the craft beer aficionados and uh, and other people about whether or not, say, um, take Carbach, for example, that was bought by uh, AB InBev uh, and now is owned by the big guys, but they're still operating their brewery exactly the same way that they were before, still making you know small batch beers and all of that, is that still craft beer? Some people would say absolutely not because it's owned by the big guys. Other people would say, well, the beer's the same. I still enjoy drinking it, so I don't know what to do. So I have a couple things to say about that. One okay. is um, I think our audience, our listeners, are discerning enough to hear an air quote when we mean it that way. Oh, that's probably true, so, yes. You know, I, I'm not entirely <laughs> sure that we need to. We need to actually write them in. Um, The other thing is, um, I was in a uh, a brewery supply store, brewing supply store, just last weekend picking up some uh, keg taps for my birthday party, which we had a good time at. And uh, and they had a shirt on the counter that was brilliant. It had a big monster that said AB InBev, and it said, all your beers are belong to us. (laughs) That's that's wonderful. (laughs) Anybody that doesn't get that... <laughs> I, I feel bad for you, uh, but but you're not a geek. If you're a geek, you get it. <laughs> and so, yeah, that one uh, was pretty funny. Yeah. Even I got that one. So, latest craft brewer to quote unquote sell out. See, there's the air quotes again. Yep, uh, is uh, Wicked Weed, one of the um, really like kind of long time independent super indie craft beers. Wicked Weed out of Asheville, North Carolina, announced yesterday. That it's being yesterday, as of the time we're doing the show, uh, that it's being acquired by Anheuser Busch by uh, uh, AB InBev. Now, and, you, and you know what's interesting about huge that is, backlash already. I was just going to say, what's that? Well, I, I brought a Wicked Weed beer in today. That's so funny. <laughs> like, well, that's I, know, I had no idea about that until you said it. Well, I know you were bringing two of the three beers. Um, I brought, and and we were going to taste this last week. We ran out of time. Mm-hmm. Not the Mumford and Sons. That's a, we'll, I don't know if we'll ever get to that's that. That's an end of show beer. Yes. That's, that's an end of show uh, beer. But I brought back from last week, and we didn't open it, the Jolly Pumpkin Artisan Ales Smash Grabbed and Hop Dusted IPA. That's a that brilliant was, name. That was, yeah. <laughs> it was put into my hands by uh, Joey at Specs, and he said, you're going to have to try this. So, so uh, uh, okay, so you had a, a selection from Joey at Specs, and I had a selection from Brandon over at the D&Q at the Mart, D&Q, and that was, the, yeah. that was the Wicked Weed, the old-fashioned barrel-aged ale that is, what's it say here, uh, brewed with oranges and cherries. Oranges and cherries. Fascinating. And he knows I'm going to like this because it's 10% alcohol. What else did you bring us? Uh, I brought the Bishop's Barrel 16, which is a oh, double. Oh, from St. Arnold's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the a double. A brewery that is still independently owned, uh, you know, depending on where you line up on the on that on that whole argument. So, uh, well, that's good. And then <laughs> for our spirit today, this should be interesting because you mentioned your birthday party, which I'm, was awesome. By the way, are you looking for this? I don't know where our machine is. We need the drum roll. You're for looking this. for this. Is what you're looking there for. There we is. go. All right, for our spirit today. You know, oh, if, yeah. that, if that wasn't so tinny, it wouldn't be fun, you know? <laughs> <laughs> For our spirit today, uh, Ian has brought in a whiskey that I gave him 
for his birthday. Yes. Which was this last week, or, yes. the, or the party was this last week. I don't know if it was actually on your birthday. or if No, it was actually on my birthday. Was on Sunday birthday. was my birthday. We had okay. the big party on Sunday. So I was uh, <clears throat> shopping for something to get you, and I got you a really cool custom-made smoking and toasting t-shirt. That was pretty awesome. Was awesome. I love that. But I, I, wanted to, I wanted to cover the... Uh, the toasting part as well uh so i got uh i I went shopping for a whiskey for you and i saw this one i've had never seen it before it i don't know anything about it It may have been around for a while uh but i thought i just like the like the way it looks it was a texas whiskey so i bought it for you it's the rio brazos boxcar texas whiskey and rio brazos apparently is located in college station texas it looks nice and now you've brought this in to taste on the show which means right back at you babe that if it's if it's not good, not only not only do we not have a good whiskey for the show, but it means I got you a really crappy birthday. That's present. right. That's so, right. And your birthday's coming up so, in a yeah, few months, right? So, so no, yeah, no, no pressure here. <laughs> no pressure on me. So, uh, but anyway, I it, I will say this: it looks good. It looks like it's going to be a good whiskey. That could be an exercise in packaging. You know, Soylent whiskey great. is still whiskey. <laughs> I guess you're right about that. Uh, plus, on today's show, Cigar 101 segment that I think is very important. How to properly light a cigar. I think, uh, you know, I still don't do it right, to be honest with you. So I think this is a good thing to review. And if you if you already know this, then congratulations. But I see people all the time making huge mistakes in lighting their cigar. And if you, uh, if you do it wrong, it can impact the cigar in a negative way. You don't get as good a flavor. So, That's true. <clears throat> so we'll talk about that. It's all very, very simple. We don't proclaim to know it all. We just have Google. So uh, <clears throat> that's how we go and find these things. So that's where this came from, from Google. <laughs> want to thank our guests for the last three weeks, Mattias Horseman uh, from Hendrix Gin, Jason Valentine from Yellow Rose Distilling, and Stuart Skloss from Bura Vida Tequila. Uh, they were our last three guests, last three shows. If you didn't hear any of those, go back and check them out because they're all all were really interesting guys yes. with really, really great stuff to say. So, And also want to thank, Faust uh, Distributing in Houston, who invited Ian and I to their shindig last week. It's the kind of thing they do once a year where they get all the uh, smaller uh, craft brands that they distribute, along with the bigger ones, and get everybody together in a room and they're pouring samples. And oh, it's beautiful. It's kind of an industry event. So yeah, we yeah. Were, we industry were there meet with all and these, kind of thing. We were there with all these industry people, and we were just like... I'm gonna go get another beer, you yeah. know. <laughs> and we did. We got quite uh, a few of those. Yeah, beers. and they they had some really great beers there. You know, uh, I, one of the ones that I was so surprised about. And I want to follow up with the guy. Is the guy from Guinness was so nice. Yes, and Guinness has been stepping up their game, seeing the craft the craft beer industry. So mm-hmm. they've come out with actually quite a few new flavors, and they're pretty good. I'm just putting that one out there. Well, Guinness itself is yeah. pretty oh, good, yeah. you know. Uh, but but you're right; they are stepping up and coming out with some other, you know, other different Guinness. Is what's the plural of Guinness? Is it Guinnesses or Guinnesses? Guinea, Guinnessee. That seems wrong. Guinnessy. That seems wrong too. <laughs> I think Genesee is a beer, isn't it? Another another beer company. I I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, uh, but you're right. They have some. They have some good stuff, and we will uh, hope to have. A uh, representative from uh, Guinness on the show at some time in the near future. That so would be fun. We're looking forward to My that. My wife will show up to that. She loves Guinness. Also, our first blind taste test is getting closer. I've begun compiling a small collection of light beers in my uh, beverage closet. 
Doesn't that so, feel weird? Yes, it does. It really does. It's, what is this Miller like doing? Here? Yeah, it's so bizarre. So we'll try to figure that out. So, so it's been quite a week. It was your birthday. We had the Faust thing. Uh, did you find time to smoke anything interesting? I sat down last night for a few minutes and had a cigar, and I even posted like the picture of the cigar already on this. But uh, I had an Alec Bradley Tempest Maduro. Now I've had the Tempest. Mm-hmm. I hadn't had the Tempest Maduro. Um, this was beautifully constructed cigar it was a dark chocolatey looking um uh oily kind of wrapper it's really nice the pre-light uh sniff was earthy leather a little bit of mocha the pre-light draw was effortless mocha chocolate leather coffee earth like complex Yum. dark yeah awesome flavors um the initial light it's just a chocolate bomb like Bam, chocolate. That's what I love about right, the Alec Bradleys. They're really right off the, yeah, right forward. off the bat. Um, and it was really good. Um, so right as I got about a half inch, I did my whiskey sniff and uh, the Glendronic Seventeen. Mm. Mm, that one won. And I actually put uh, Scotch plus cigar equals um, equals a cartwheel here. Let me put this up. So that that is see that cartwheel. part there. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes, that's so me cool. drawing a cartwheel with. <laughs> Stick figures. Anyway, that made me very happy. Uh, the first third of the cigar was uh, burned slightly uneven. It tasted great. The ash mm-hmm. was nice and solid. It was very cool smoke. Very chocolatey. Very leathery. Very coffee. Very very coffee. Very mocha. Um, I had to tend the uneven burn at two thirds of the way through, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was still a it was still a good cigar. I mean, it, it was so mind. much chocolate mocha flavor, and I loved it. And I'm not sure if it was the scotch or the cigar the the pairing of the two that really brought it out that's why you do the whiskey yeah it was fantastic um and uh by the third third of this the uh, the burn was so uneven that uh, i had to tend it yet again and then it it went out on me and i was you know smoking it pretty regularly it went out on me um by this point in time uh right before it went out it's still good cigar a little spice in it at this Mm -hmm. point in time a couple other things um when it went out i went to relight it and the penalty was awful really like it turned into this bitter awfulness do you think that's because you were that far down you had only had like a third of the cigar left maybe i mean it could have been that i already had attended a couple times so you're you know it's pretty Mm -hmm. harsh on the on the wrapper um so i was just uh you know by the end of it i tended it enough and i was just kind of annoyed by how good the cigar is and how bad the burn was that I just was done with it. Plus, it was so bitter. Like, when I relit it, it left a bad taste in my mouth, literally. So, um, with all of that said, then, you loved the flavor, the but... The flavor was great. Construction made construction you not like the yeah. last uh, third. Of the, the construction in San looked beautiful, too. So, I'm going to give that, uh, you know, a four. Uh, I, I think that's about an $8 cigar. I'm going to give okay. that about a four on the scale. That's just a little below what I'd want for what I paid for. It is really annoying. Because I want the construction to be better. Yeah, it is really annoying when you have a cigar that yeah. you're wanting to love. Yeah, yeah. Because it's giving you great flavor. Flavor-wise, yeah. it was so good. And you don't want to yeah. go, well, I guess it's just a bad one and move Well, it's nice that it could stand know? up. I mean, that Glendronic 17 is a nice, it's a big, complex whiskey. You know? I've had good luck with Alec Bradley's, and, and uh, so I'm, I'm not... Uh, you know, uh, I've not necessarily had the construction problem with those, but you know, sometimes it happens. It's a single. I may have stick, just gotten you know? the one. Yeah, yeah, I may have uh, just gotten one. I don't. I don't have a second one to back that up either. So, uh, but I have a bunch of the other, the regular Tempest, and I love those. They you, smoke great. You know, if we were like the uh, cigar aficionado guys, they they smoke multiple cigars of the same one before they do their well we just have to contact alec uh bradley and have him send us multiple (laughs) of the same cigars to prove this i think that'd be good if any uh, alec bradley reps are listening you want to 
Help us out. That would be the Tempest Maduro. That would be the Tempest Maduro. All right. All right. I had an interesting cigar this week I'll share in the next segment. Plus, uh, we'll begin our tasting, I think. Maybe uh, let's start with the Wicked Weed. Sounds good to me. All right. That's coming up next. It's Smoking and Toasting. back to smoking and toasting my name is Cruz my partner in crime here is Ian Barry I don't think we introduced ourselves at the uh, beginning of the show uh, Bobby is on the controls and we are so glad to have you listening to the program this is our 39th show going back all the way to the we're almost uh, over the hill the days where uh, it, uh, the name that will not be mentioned um, was the name of the show so it's it's uh, it's actually kind of gratifying and uh looking forward to our 40th that will be fun i think if all goes well we will be inviting back the very first guest that we had on the show that's going to be to be here for the 40th that will so, be mark yeah mark from goliad mark from brewing goliad. He who, we, who we ran into by the way at the faust thing that i mentioned yes. earlier and uh, there he was just sampling his beers it was awesome yeah it was good to see him kind of in action and talking beer with other people. And they got some new beers out that they didn't have then, so that'll be fun, too. I'm thinking he's bringing them, so I'm excited. Speaking of new beers, this is new to me. I've not had this before. The Wicked Weed uh, Barrel-Aged Ale that Ian has brought in. And while you pop that open, you struggled a little with that one, didn't you? <laughs> I had to wrestle that one. I thought that beer was kicking my butt. <laughs> uh, social media erupted uh, yesterday with a backlash uh, when the North Carolina uh, Brewers Guild issued a statement saying it was disheartened by the acquisition of Wicked Weed Brewery uh, by Anheuser-Busch, uh, AB InBev. Um, craft brewers such as Just, uh, Jester King in Austin, Texas, pledged to stop selling Wicked Weed. Social media blew up, people calling them sellouts. Two of Wicked Weed's co-founders, Walt and Luke Dickinson, say, you know, all this criticism can't can't really be further from the truth. They say that they see this partnership with Anheuser-Busch as positive. They say it means great distribution opportunities, more resources, connections to other breweries, including Goose Island, Blue Point, Breckenridge, Carbock. More opportunities for Wicked Weed means bringing craft beer to more people, which ultimately, they argue, elevates the entire beer industry the nice thing about ab imbev is they have enough people on staff to where they can create a flowery uh look on anything it is interesting <laughs> and it's part of that's actually true it is it is interesting though when you think about and and this is really true of of corporate america i guess it's like the guys who were successful and amassed a lot of money sometimes when they begin to fall out of favor they simply buy the people who are pushing them, the competition. You know, this happens in all kinds of industries yep. where you go, yep. you know, you get the craft beer industry really pushing, uh, you know, the sort of mainstream brews. Well, they won't stop making the mainstream brews. They'll just start adding what they feel are the best of the craft guys mm-hmm. to their to their portfolio. And it's it's an interesting um, concept. I just hope I just hope they don't screw it up. That's my only thing. Yeah, I mean, when you get a massive conglomeration like that, I, you just have to think, okay, are they going to make the money more important than the than the product? And if they keep the product uh, the integrity of the product intact, 
then I'll still drink it. Well, right yeah. after the Carbach acquisition, you may recall, we had uh, David uh, Graham from Carbach yep. on the show, and he talked about it in very much those terms. It's mm-hmm. like, look, it gives us more resources. We can do more stuff. We can brew more different beers. We can you know, do things uh, because our beer is going to be more widely distributed that really we couldn't do before. And he said, at least at that point we had him on, that the AB guys are not coming down and saying, Okay, change this, do it cheaper, use cheaper ingredients right. or any of those things. That's so. that's my biggest fear of of just the the uh, the macro brew. Well, we talked about how, how you know? Rolling Rock used to be Rolling this Rock great, not crisp, wonderful beer, and it's just not the same. It, it is not the same. It's just not the same. It's not the glass line. Well, uh, the tanks wicked weed, at Old the wicked weed, uh, barrel aged ale, brewed with oranges and cherries, and you can smell it. Has in there. got a wonderful aroma. So it. It's uh, it's a pretty beer too. It's mm-hmm. got a dark, dark uh, brown kind of color. So to it. I will say, just on first sip, this reminds me of a barley wine. I'm oh yeah, those, totally. I'm getting those uh, sort of date and nut mm-hmm. flavors coming through. I might take another sip to this try is, to a, discern the cherry. <laughs> there's and, a lot of malt mm-hmm. and barley mm-hmm. in this. That's mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you know it's funny because the orange and the cherries are very very background. They're very warm flavors in the background, and yes, I, almost on the retro hails when you uh, notice that. I'm using I that kind word of again. get it the second uh, yeah. second sip a little more. The especially the cherry. There's a little bit of spice almost in there mm-hmm. on the very tail end as well. It's pretty interesting. Mm. This is uh, this is good. I have to say it's delicious. I'm not sure if it's a beer I would want to drink several of. I would probably drink several yeah, I bet you would. <laughs> it tastes like a beer version of an old-fashioned ah uh, you know i mean I th- they almost have a picture like that on the glass <laughs> <laughs> it does kind of look like it's that it's pretty yeah. good <laughs> yeah i do and i do like old fashions. So, yeah i uh, have to agree with that mm. so uh hmm. yeah it is really malty like that's it's, it's all malt as malty a beer as we've sampled in a while Yep, it's that's all malt. It's lingering malt too. You're digging this, aren't you? I, I am. <laughs> <laughs> you know, usually we open with something lighter and then move to the heavier beers. But I have no idea what these other two are going to be like. The Bishop's Barrel uh, from St. Arnold, uh, Bishop's Barrel 16, is a double, so that's, that's going to have some mm-hmm. some heft to it. Uh, and then I have no idea on the Jolly Pumpkin Smash. Well, I think we go this and then double, and then we'll go with the Jolly Pumpkin because that, that was last, probably huh? going to cut through everything. All right, so that's so, what we'll do. I have a question for yes. you. Did you smoke a decent cigar this week? I did. In fact, you actually know all about it because uh, <laughs> I did it. I did it at your uh, birthday gathering, your get together. That was a great time, by the it way. Really by the way, I'd like was. to thank Eureka Heights for. Um, uh, making a couple of kegs available to me. That was fantastic. Yeah, and boy, that beer was good. What was that ESB that we were talking about? Oh, that's that the Wicked Awesome. And we've had that on the show before, very very early on yes, the show. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, love that. That's fantastic. Yes, Mr. Davis, their uh, ambassador of Buzz came on, mm-hmm. and uh, and he, we had that. Well, at your uh, birthday party, I was. Uh, it was funny. I had your, uh, you know, your bag of your uh, gifts and stuff all ready to go, and I'm uh, getting ready to leave the house. And of course, I know it's your birthday party, so there's going to be an opportunity to smoke. So I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking through the humidor and trying to think what would be a good. This is time for a special occasion cigar, right? Yes, I'm okay with that. And so I chose a cigar that I bought, gosh, almost a year ago. At uh, McCoy's Fine Cigars, downtown Houston, uh, Brad at McCoy's mm-hmm. had recommended. I said, I went in and said, you know, what's good? What do I need to try? And it was one of the ones that he put in my hand, and it was the Rocky Patel 55, 
This particular cigar was the Titan, which was the larger one. And this cigar was released last year celebrating Rocky Patel's 55th birthday. So a lot of birthday uh, tie-ins here. Uh, it's Nicaraguan wrapper and filler. The binder is Ecuadorian Habano. It's medium to full-bodied. The pre-light on it, earthy. And it was one of those things where you breathe it in and you can tell it's going to be good. Nice. You know what I, you know right, what I mean right. by that? You're like... Oh, this is this is just. <laughs> I will be so surprised if this doesn't kick ass. Right. This is, uh, uh, so, lit it up. Uh, it opens actually kind of subtly with some earth and cocoa flavors and a little bit of pepper, but then it builds to a nice intensity about about a half inch in or so. It, it really picks up nutty uh, notes of espresso. I was very pleased with the complexity of the cigar, but the real winner was just the way the flavors blended, which. Is kind of like complexity, but not exactly. Sometimes complexity is when, or the way I would describe it anyway, is when you're like, wow, there's a lot of great things going on here, and I don't know what it is, but it all works together. And this was more like you could pick out the individual flavors, Mm -hmm. but the way they meshed was good. So maybe I'm splitting hairs, but I loved it. Absolutely loved it. In fact... I may have just been having a good time because it was your party. But, <laughs> there was uh, a bit of that going on. I would say this is the best cigar I've smoked this year. Nice. I really, nice. really liked it. Uh, price to quality, I'm going to give it a six and a half. It's a fourteen to fifteen dollars cigar, so it's not that's, you that's know a price. That's super it, premium. It, 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 yeah. So and, and this is but this is what you want a fourteen or fifteen dollars yeah. cigar to smoke like. By the way, absolutely zero construction issues. Never relit, never had to adjust the burn. It was just fantastic all the way down. Loved it. And and remember thinking on the way home that it kind of spoiled me. Like that I because <laughs> I wasn't my next cigar that I smoked wouldn't be a fourteen or fifteen dollar cigar. Right. And it kind of spoiled me. I would be like going, Oh man, that one was so good. This one's okay, <laughs> but boy, that was good. So uh, but I absolutely loved it. I thought it was terrific. Um couple of other things going on as we have a few moments uh, in this segment I thought I would share with you. And by the way, we are going to get to uh, our Cigar 101 probably in the next segment, how to properly light a cigar. But in the meantime, single malt scotch has broken an export record in the last year. Awesome. Yep. People in the U.S. still really love the uh, smooth, smoky taste of single malt. And Scottish exports report... $1.3 $1.3 billion in 2016. Wow. That was um, that was the largest export dollar number ever. Standout performer by the um, uh, by the Scotch Whiskey Association. That was what they awarded it. 113 million bottles of single malt Ooh. were exported last year, uh, according to the drinks uh, business. By volume, single malt accounts for less than 10% of all Scotch exports. But by value, 26%, because obviously the single malts are more expensive. So uh, the primary export locale is the U.S., accounting for $61 million of single malt shipped last year. Because it's delicious. Isn't that crazy? Because I mean, that's mm, scotch. That's a lot. So, scotch, uh, <laughs> scotch uh, uh, distillers are feeling very optimistic about the future. Uh, they said demands rising in mature markets like the USA and newer markets like China. Apparently, the Chinese are beginning That's to really get into the, uh, the single malt thing. So, in the past, they say that uh, the Scottish whiskey industry has faced uh, shortages due to the rising global demand, but that now there are so many new producers that have stepped up. And, you know, with Scotch, you can't 
necessarily just step up and right. start selling it the first year. You've got to right. let it age for a while. So that's all beginning to like bear fruit now, and here come the scotches. So, so a couple things about that. First off, um, go scotch. I love mm-hmm. scotch. Um, one of the uh, one of the things you should know is single malt mm-hmm. basically means that the the malt all came from the same distiller from the same distiller yes that means and then the other thing is uh a lot of companies are putting out a no age stamp uh whiskeys or scotches now right that's true and uh all that means is they can sell a younger one Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of those are very and a lot of them can be delicious that's right all right coming up next we will taste the rio brazos uh, distillery boxcar texas whiskey as well as uh more beer in fact i think in the next segment the uh, bishop's barrel How swanky that is. Welcome back uh, to Smoking and Toasting. My name is Cruz, my partner Ian Barry. The FDA, by the way, has delayed the enforcement of the stricter standards that were that have been enacted on the uh, cigar and e-cigarette uh, industry. So it doesn't mean they're not going to happen. They've simply delayed the start of the enforcement of them. Uh, it could, however, give the cigar lobbies you know, more time to make their case, more time to uh, go through with the lawsuits that have been filed. And so we will see. This is all the kind of onerous stuff about how they have to label the cigars. And, politics. And, uh, uh, yeah, all when the politics. When in doubt, stall. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's right. And and it's a pretty effective tactic if you think about it, yeah. uh, because in this particular case, where I would side with the cigar industry, yeah, yeah, it's like okay, we weren't able to stop it. Now let's stall it and see if that gives us more time to stop it. Yeah, and so. also eventually maybe someone will stop caring about it so much. That is entirely possible because <laughs> there will be something else to to you know be. To be upset about, I think, if you if you go far enough. So, uh, all right. So, cigar one one. How to properly light a cigar is uh, coming up. But before we do that, let's uh, let's taste. I'm really anxious to taste this Bishop's Barrel because this is a double. So this uh, is a double. The Bishop's Barrel uh, sixteen. Yes. What can you tell us about well. it, Ian? Um, let's see here. I, I had love all the when Ian brings the beers because they're always like really <laughs> interesting. I'll be like, yeah, I got some uh, 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 Bud Light here, uh, Ian, and <laughs> you never go that direction. Okay, so this is a Belgian-style double ale mm-hmm. aged in red wine barrels with yeah. a word that I don't know how to say, bretonomyces, <laughs> something, I, you know. <laughs> you know, I'm a kind of a Luddite when it comes to this. Beer good, beer bad, beer, right? Yes, right. Mostly beer I like, good. I like that, yes. <laughs> no, that sounded like a language which I yeah, don't right. speak, you know? So uh, this is uh, their Sriracha. <laughs> this is their Sriracha Ace Double in Bordeaux Red Wine Barrels. Bretonomyces. Doesn't that sound like the last name of somebody who would be identified as a strongman? You know, my... Uh, opener is kicking my butt today yeah it really is are you all right over there (laughs) do we do we need a different opener no you got issues man usually i'm pretty good with this thing Uh, maybe it's that maybe there's some mystical power in the word bread and i did just get older yes (laughs) i wonder if my superpowers of beer opening (laughs) that i've had since my college days have uh, finally reached it's important ian to realize that uh, everyone has a superpower uh, the important thing is that you use yours for good. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. 
Uh, I might have been using mine for evil. <laughs> All <laughs> right. So, Saint Arnold, uh, give me a, a quick rundown on Saint Arnold's uh, Saint Arnold's Bishop's Barrel. How often does this come out? This is number sixteen, but that's not the latest. Seventeen is, it? is the latest. Yeah. So this is right before that. And I have a seventeen. I could bring in uh, maybe next week too. Um, you know, uh, I know that they release it sometimes. I have a friend of mine that keeps up with Saint Arnold. Like uh, he's he's like a fanboy. Mm-hmm. Um. If if they were the Grateful Dead, he would be a dead head. Um, I don't know what to call it when someone keeps that close in touch with uh, St. Arnold's. But anyway, he goes to all the events he can, and uh, he always has the latest and greatest, even hard-to-get-to stuff. So mm-hmm. I actually just go to him. Smart. Very smart. <laughs> that way you're not standing in line waiting for the new uh, Divine. Keith, yeah. I'm talking about you. Anyway, um, so yeah, it's it's pretty funny. So. Uh, so, uh, I, as far as I know, I think it's once a year, or maybe it's twice a year, I can't remember. But uh, this is, it's got to be twice a year, because they haven't been doing it for 17 years. Uh, or maybe it's seasonal, I don't know. But they're really good. They're all different, they're all interesting. It's, um, it says on the bottle, with our Bishop's Barrel series, we experiment with pairing our ales with a variety of different barrels, fruits, or whatever else might strike our fancy. We age these in our barrel room anywhere from a few months to well over a year. You can find more out at com slash BB if you want to find slash out. Slash BB so. for Bishop's Barrel. Right. So, uh, so this would make sense since they're putting it in a barrel. So this is the Belgian double. Yes. Oh, I love it the, smells the great, smell it? of this. It's almost, almost yep. like cinnamony, like uh, a little bit sweeter than I was expecting. Definitely. You definitely mm-hmm. get some of the wine notes in there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's very sweet, too. And doubles are pretty sweet beer anyway. Yeah, but you almost expect it to be... More pow, less um, you know, less subtle, and this is a little more subtle. It's I like got it. it's got complexity too, and it has for a nice sure. dry finish. Mm, mm, I like this a lot. Yeah, mm. I agree. It'd, it'd be tough for me to choose between this and the uh, Wicked Weed Old Fashioned Barrel Aged. Yeah, see, that's an interesting. I think I would go. I would rank the bishops a little higher. You think? Yeah. But then again, you're the barley wine guy, and I know that wasn't a barley wine, but it had yes, barley right. wine characteristics it had, to it. It had some yeah. of those, yes. Yeah, for sure. This yeah. is less malty than the Wicked Weed, but oh boy, is it ever. Yeah, it's good. It's got a mm. good uh, aftertaste to it. Mm. They linger the in a good way. The finish is terrific. Yeah. Wow. It's got a little fruitiness to it. Like, you know, doubles have a little fruitiness to the flavor. Now, here's my question about the Bishop's Barrel. Like, could, could you still go find the 16 somewhere? I or think, is it? I think the uh, newest ones are more readily available. You used what, to not like be able to get them. the latest iteration. Right, right, right. So, one of the problems I have, like, you asked me about it. Tell me about the Bishop's Barrel. Well, it, for me, it's a matter of convenience. If I can't find a beer, I'm not going to go search it out. And stand in line you because know. there's enough beers you like. That yeah, you there's so many good beers one, out there. Yeah. I do appreciate it when other people do, and I reap the benefits. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not an ingrate, but, um, <laughs> but, but at the same time, I'm just, I'm not that guy, and uh, and I like limited releases. And I like it when I have the opportunity, but. Um, but I just don't follow it that close, mm-hmm. uh, and so if it's there and available, I really appreciate that. Well, so this you know. is, this is delicious. I'm. I'm getting more and more out of it with the third and fourth sip. You know what I mean? Like like finding new flavors in in the complexity of it. Yeah, I think that's that wine barrel influence. Mm-hmm. So the uh, the I, I think the liquid that they start with here is quite good to begin with. The double, the Sriracha Ace double is where they started. And it's well, I got to tell delicious. you, the St. Arnold guys. You know, I don't know if I describe myself as a fanboy. 
these guys are really consistent. You know what's funny? Okay, so they get mad respect for me just because they've been doing mm-hmm. it for so long, and they stick to their guns. They just they just do it, and they're almost fearless when it comes to what are we going to try next. You know, they only have two beers that I've tasted that I don't like. And both of them are extremely popular, so a lot of other people, <laughs> obviously, like, it's just, like, not to my taste. I'm not a fan of the lawnmower or weed whacker. Those are a little too grassy for me. Like, I actually like both of those. I yeah. think they're okay drinkers. Yeah, well, I, know, I know a lot of people love them. I, I, I see them, you know, they're on tap a lot of places around Texas. Uh, they're really good. Uh, uh, if you like that style, I think they're they're really good. I think I'm just not a big fan of that style. But everything else I've had, and, you know... We talked about how much we loved that raspberry AF that we uh, sampled yeah. a couple of weeks ago. That's that is like delicious. Th- that's my beer of the moment. Like, <laughs> which means same here. Any place I go, if they've got that, that's what I will choose. <laughs> so that's my beer of the moment. You know, same um, here. Absolutely love it. So, um, I, I, yeah, I'm pretty impressed with uh, with Bishop's Barrel 16. That's that's yeah. not bad at all. Yeah, I like that they just try a bunch of stuff. And, you know, I, I don't always buy their uh, standards, like the amber and their brown. I think brown is called Ale Wagger now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, and those are and they're good. They're good. But I like the amber. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of other reasons. If, if, if they have that on tap, a lot of times I'll get it. But but in general, I like almost everything they do as, a as you know, something like this, an experimental series or their, you know, one-offs and stuff like that. To- just, totally so fun. That. So fun. So let's do a little Cigar 101. I think we have time to do this in this segment. All right. Um, how to properly light a cigar. Now first, gonna, first, I take the end and put it between my teeth and bite it real hard. Yes, right? that's the first thing you should do, always. Okay. No. Uh, <laughs> here's what I, I'm going to read this from the, uh, from the article, and then you comment and tell me. I'll, I have some comments, too. But uh, So top ways to start your fire... Uh, is the first thing mm-hmm. because where you get your heat from, your fire from, is is an important distinction. Uh, matches are the first choice. They are inexpensive and always around somewhere if you're going to light your cigar with a match. Do make sure it's a longer match. If you use a short one, you'll burn through quite a few. I have some cigar matches that are about. Oh, they're great. I love those. Six, six inches long almost. Yeah. Also, Five really inches. important if you're going to light your cigar with a match, make sure there's no coating on the wood. Yeah. Uh, because that can impact the cigar in a negative way. Also, I recommend highly, only as a last resort, light your cigar with paper matches, the ones in the little oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, matchbook. Cushion. Something about the way that paper burns uh, can impart a really kind of a, well, a bitter Between taste that and the sulfur on the it. Cigar. It's, yeah. Well, and, you know, that's that's absolutely right. Matches work great, like, indoors and cigar lounges. They can be really frustrating if you're trying to light outside. But most importantly... You've got to let the sulfur burn off before yes. you start to light the cigar. That's hugely important because that sulfur taste in your cigar can ruin the entire stick. Yes, yes. That will yes. not go away. All right. Uh, torch lighter is the next uh, option. If you primarily do your so- uh, cigar smoking outdoors, uh, forget about matches altogether. Consider a torch lighter. Most are built uh, to withstand some pretty serious wind gusts, and they will heat the foot of, cigar, uh, the foot of your cigar up extremely fast. Uh, you can get a solid uh, torch lighter for ten to twenty bucks. Oh, absolutely. Uh, in fact, the one—it's funny. I've got a—I've got tons of lighters, 
And some of the most expensive ones I have are the ones that don't work as well as the $16 one I think that I bought at McCoy's downtown. That baby. And you've got one just like it. So what is <laughs> right the Right there slider? in my pocket. What is vector, the slider I think, called? Or? Yeah, I think it's a vector. Your, uh, yours is like mine. All the wording has rubbed off. That's how long it is. <laughs> uh, but it's really good. Jetline, totally that's what it is. Jetline, yeah. That's a great one. And it's and it's under 20 bucks, and it works like crazy. In fact, the only thing I keep doing with that is refilling it with fluid. because. Yep. And it holds a ton of fluid. I know. It's great. Um, Gas lighters are another option. Uh, It's like a match in that it doesn't perform well in a windy environment. And many people say that you should never light a cigar with a gas lighter because the butane adversely affects the taste of the tobacco. For what it's worth, I've done it before and have never had a problem, but I don't do it all the time. So you can be the your own judge on this one. What do you think? Would you use a gas lighter? You know, hey, if that's all I got, sure. All right. And finally, for the cigar purist, the cedar strip is the only way to light a cigar properly. No chemicals, no sulfur, butane, all natural. If you're in an environment where using one is possible, by all means, do so. It's old-fashioned, but it really helps you enjoy and appreciate the entire process. All right, five steps for lighting a cigar coming up. Uh, plus, we'll taste this uh, IPA. Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. It's so nice to have you uh, listening to the program. And we were talking about uh, uh, the Cigar 101 topic, how to properly light a cigar. So a couple things I want to point out about that. Okay. Um, is uh, you were talking about using a gas light, like mm-hmm. basically a soft flame light. Yeah, soft like flame light. Like yep. a Bic or whatever, mm-hmm. right? That's okay. It just takes a long time to make well, that Well, it does. There's no um, question. And if you're smoking outside, it takes even longer. Yes. Uh, because, you know, the slightest breeze can- Yes, you know, and I have to constantly tell smokers, because I always carry a jet lighter- in my uh, in my pocket, you know, torch lighter. Oh, and cigarette and, smokers and will cigarette burn smokers, their I'm like, okay, so when you look, don't put your hand over it to block the wind. Yeah. What? And they always do it, you know. And, and I'm like, don't do hand. it because you're going to burn your hand really That's bad. Right. And singe their eyebrows, too. Uh, also, uh, I've used a Zippo. Mm-hmm. And Zippo brand lighter fluid is now low odor and actually pretty okay. Because yeah, I use yeah. it on my pipe as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I, I, I even talked about it on the Pipe 101 thing. But here's another Well, fun you had one. a pipe lighter, as yes, I recall. Yes, which it was a awesome. Zippo pipe lighter, yeah. yeah. And, then, uh, and then I also bought, when we were at McCoy's that time, I bought a little insert that fits into a Zippo that turns a Zippo into a torch. Oh, classy. Very cool. Classy. Yes. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Anyway, all the ways to light cigars. I will also mention, uh, we talked about right at the end of the last segment, the cedar strip. The thing about the cedar strip that you have to remember is if you're in like a cigar lounge or something, that's totally cool. But if you're somewhere else, you could come off like a pretentious a-hole. <laughs> you know, with, I must light my cigar strip. Plus, a lot of times a cedar strip which is sometimes attached to your cigar, mm-hmm. right? Because they got a cedar wrap. Yes, has a piece of tape on it. Right, that's gotta, not going to help the flavor of your cigar. <laughs> right. I promise. Exactly. Yeah, that's not the cedar strip to use. No, no, definitely not. All right. So five steps for lighting the cigar. Once you figured out what your your fire is going to be started by, the match, the torch lighter, the gas lighter, or the cedar strip. By the way, can I just say here, do not light your cigar with a candle. That's the worst idea ever because the oils from the candle wax uh, will not help the flavor of your cigar. And I'm not being a purist. That's no, no. Just like, Alec Bradley did not intend to have wax yes, in his candle. That's right. Or in his that's cigar. That's exactly right. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be... 
<laughs> Trust me, it's not going to be a good experience. You won't you won't appreciate. It. So do not light your cigar with a candle. Find another way. If a candle's around, find anything and light it on fire <laughs> with the actual flame from the candle. If you if better. you have to light it off of your stove, that's fine. Yes, it's I've, not a candle. I'm not going to say I've done that, but I've, <laughs> I've seen it happen. This is from really close. Oh. Why don't you have any eyebrows this week? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so once you got your fire. Uh, the first thing to do is start it. Strike the match, fire up your lighter, get your cedar strip burning, do whatever, right? That's number one. Number two, toast. This is where people go wrong. Toast the foot of the cigar. Now, the foot's the opposite end from where the cap was before you... The cap is the part that goes in your mouth. The foot right. is not. Right, exactly. So, yeah, don't put your foot in your mouth is a good general <laughs> rule to remember with uh, lighting a cigar, right? So you toast the foot. Well, how do you do that? This is what the cigar experts say. Um, the goal is to get the foot of the cigar, the cigar hot, but not actually lit. When done properly, they say the end of the cigar will look like it's toasted, black, but maybe not completely lit. And then as you toast the foot of the cigar, they say do not let the flame actually touch the tobacco. No. You hold the flame below the foot of the cigar and let the heat travel up. Yes, it does take a little bit longer, but it's the only way to ensure that you have toasted the foot properly. Uh, lighting and smoking a cigar, they point out, is not a race. Now, how good are you, in at doing it that way every time? Okay. So, most of the time, I will take a moment and toast the end of my yeah. cigar. I never, even when I'm lighting, I very, very rarely ever actually touch the flame to the cigar. Um, because it's a harsher light that way. It's right. a very hot light that way. If mm -hmm. you're holding your flame towards, this is with a torch, or even with a match, you hold it underneath enough. To, uh, trust me, there's enough heat right above that flame to light your cigar it does take a little while longer but you get way more even burn mm -hmm. uh, what happens when you touch especially a torch to the end of a cigar is you get this really hot spot right at the edge of that fire right. where it's and it's going to burn faster there and that yes. spot's going to burn faster you're going to mm -hmm. have an uneven burn right there so they, the biggest trick is to end and keep turning your cigar while you do it so right. you get a very even all the way around so they say hold the flame below the foot of the cigar let the heat travel up and this will ensure you've toasted the foot properly. Then, step number three, take, and again, this is what the experts say, take three long draws on the cigar. I didn't uh, know that. Robert Sese of uh, Davidoff of Geneva says, um, if you've toasted the foot of the, cigar, foot of the cigar properly, three long draws is all you need to ensure the perfect light. Really, I guess that spreads or pulls the heat yeah. in into the tobacco. Now, bit, huh? I will say this: I generally do try to toast the foot of the cigar and not mm -hmm. let the flame touch, but I do let it not burst into flame, but I do let it begin to burn the cigar. Yeah. In other words, it's not just the black char, and then you puff and try to get that lit, but it's actually lit on the end of the cigar. That's usually how I do it. What I'm reading here says I'm actually taking it a little bit too far. For the ultimate way that you're supposed to right, you're supposed to roast the end, not mm -hmm. actually set it on fire. No, uh, and then finally it says uh, check for an even light. Or number four, uh, check for an even light by blowing on the foot of the cigar. Gently blowing on the foot allows you to see if you've got the cigar lit evenly. And then it says exhale your third puff. Uh, so the the that third long draw you did on the cigar, you know, don't exhale the first two, exhale the third one. Huh. So puff, puff. Oh. 
puff and then exhale it huh. out, basically. So, so I'd like to also talk about the relight. Oh, we should. We the should relight talk about is, is, is its own art because sometimes yes, I'm busy, sometimes I'm doing other stuff. Uh, and I let a cigar go out. Now, a lot of cigars, you don't get a lot of penalty. Some cigars you do. You were just talking about that with your Alec Bradley? Right, that Alec Bradley had a bad penalty. It was really bitter when I relit it. If your cigar goes out, what you do is you knock off all the ash that you can easily and conveniently knock off. And then you superheat the end. Mm-hmm. You torch the end, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also a good idea before you, I should, I should have started here, is blow through the cigar. Do not puff through the cigar because mm-hmm. as soon as you draw that bitterness in it's not going anywhere mm-hmm. else it's, that's right it's, it's in the cigar right that's that's really important so you superheat the end and then the first you don't puff you blow a couple times and then you can puff and usually you can get a pretty good relight that way uh it's common they say for a cigar to burn unevenly this can be a result of a variety of things including how moist or dry the cigar is you just opened the whiskey didn't you I couldn't stop myself. Yeah, uh, How the cigar is rolled or uh, the way the wind or ceiling fan is blowing. Uh, if it happens, they say, don't worry. You can usually get a cigar back burning evenly by a small touch-up, just like you were talking about, with your flame where the wrapper's not burning. In more extreme cases, when the cigar will only burn on, burn on the top and the bottom remains completely unlit, this is what's referred to as canoeing. Canoeing occurs if you have not lit the cigar properly. If you let an uneven burn get out of hand... Or maybe if you just have a bad cigar, it happens. So, uh, but there's your there's your tips on how to light a cigar properly. And I have to say, uh, this all makes sense to me, even though sometimes I do get impatient and don't. Yeah, wait uh, for the toast. I, I will process. admit that sometimes I just light the cigar. And, yeah, you know, <laughs> sometimes I'm just ready to go. You know what I'm but saying? But that being said, too, I'm much more willing to do something like that on a. Uh, you know, $6 and under cigar than Bingo. I am to do on a $6 and over cigar. And that's probably the cigar that I'm smoking if uh, if it's windy and I'm, like, not going to bring out a super ultra premium right, in right. the wind. And, and those are the times that I'm more likely to do it. So this is kind of – there's a little drama attached to this. Uh, we are tasting the Rio Brazos Distillery Boxcar Texas Whiskey. I bought this – Sight unseen without tasting it. I looked at it, but hadn't tasted it. Uh, for Ian, for this was your birthday present. Yep. And so then you brought it in to taste on the show, which puts no pressure on me at all, no, of by course the way, not. Uh, if, the, if the whiskey's not good. So um, this is uh, uh, produced and hand-bottled, it says, by the Rio Brazos Distillery in College Station, Texas. Uh, it's 45% alcohol by volume, and you've already taken a first smell. And maybe a first taste. I took a first taste, actually. I did not spit it out over the microphone. That's good. I I was happy to see that. (laughs) So what did you think about this? Okay, so uh, I'll tell you what I think about it. I think this is pretty nice whiskey. Mm. Um, There's a little bitterness to the aftertaste. Yes, but I like the... the oakiness to it. Yes, there's a mm-hmm. big oakiness and a little bit of biz- uh, uh, bitterness to it. I think that this particular one is a little young. I think uh, uh, probably a uh, a cube of ice and a splash of water would probably make mm. this. You didn't happen to bring a water in here, did you? I didn't. Uh, I'll have to I try that. Yeah. But it's a try pretty it next good, segment. it's a nice complex flavor to it. Mm-hmm. I think a splash of water would open it up and probably bring in a little bit of a little bit of more like uh, uh, fruitiness and vanilla-ness in it. I was going to say, not that this is unusual for a whiskey, but I am getting the vanilla and the honey. Yeah, vanilla and honey. And and um, and the, like I said, the oak, you mentioned it earlier, the oak has got a little bit of bitterness to the end. And I think that would all just go away with a little bit of... Uh, 
a little bit of water would you know fix that right up i gotta say i kind of like this and yeah, not just good. because i'm trying to prop up my birthday gift to you it's good it's got a nice uh, it's got a nice gentle heat to it. Yes, I, I like uh, you know I like when the whiskeys are just a little bit gentler with the heat and and I it, you know it makes the whole process more enjoyable. If it burns too much going down you're like, okay, yeah, I know fun. I'm a man and I just had a whiskey and all that, <laughs> but like I didn't enjoy it as much. Right, right. You know, it's kind of like if you if you shoot tequila instead of uh, sipping it, you know? Yes. So, yes. Uh, well, I'm I'm I've I've grown out of the uh the, the tequila with the training wheels. I think we talked mm-hmm. about that yes, last time. Yes, we did. Uh, with our uh, uh, guest, Stuart from Pura Vida. So, uh, no, you know, I have it's to say. interesting. I keep coming back to this, too. It makes oh, me want see. another sip oh, of this it. This makes me happy now. So, this is, it's pretty good. So, I did okay with the gift. Oh, yeah. No, that's oh, fantastic. Okay, Thank you. okay cool. Whew. I would recommend it. The Rio Brazos Distillery Boxcar Texas Whiskey. I'm liking it. Yeah, I'm liking it. And, you know, when you spend, you know, twelve ninety nine on a bottle of whiskey. That's right. You want to know that it's going to be a good game. <laughs> yeah. No, I will tell I you. I think you're it, joking it, about it that. It wasn't an ultra expensive whiskey at all. Uh, it was uh, very reasonably priced, I thought. It so. tastes good. All right. Happy we'll, birthday to me. We'll try it with ice and or water in the next segment. And we still have that uh, hop dusted, uh, oh, smash grabbed and hop dusted IPA to try as well. On the beach in Hawaii. This is the show that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. It's called Smoking and Toasting. My name is Cruz, Ian Barry, uh, my co-host. And uh, when you think of Cohiba, uh, you don't think of affordable, necessarily. No, you think of really. the Cuban Cohibas, which are very expensive. And then even the ones that are not uh, Cuban, that are made by General Cigar, uh, are fairly expensive, fairly pricey sticks. Yep. Some of them are quite good. Yes, uh, I but, haven't been let down by yes. Cohibas. Well, Cohiba has announced a budget-priced line called Cohiba Blue, and it's going to be coming out soon. Um, General Cigar makes the non-Cuban versions of uh, Hoya de Monterey, Partagas Punch, and Cohiba, and now they're releasing a more affordable version of the Cohiba brand called Cohiba Blue, a value-priced cigar crafted with a three-country blend of tobacco from Honduras, Nicaragua, and the DR. The cigar actually uh, launched earlier this month, and you should be able to find it at your retail stores uh, now, as a matter of fact. Honduran wrapper and binder, both of the uh, leaves uh, from Honduras, and then the filler is a Honduran jamastran and uh, Nicaraguan and Dominican uh, tobaccos all uh, blended together. Four sizes, and um, most of them, I think all of them, except one are 50 ring gauge. The Toro is 54 and it looks like the prices are going to be between eight ninety nine and ten ninety nine uh, for like the sort of MSRP gotcha. retail price. So, so that's probably going to be a street value, of yeah, more like six bucks. Probably get six bucks, seven yeah. bucks, depending on your, your shop and how much I'd they mark stuff up. To try that, mm-hmm. the, uh, you mentioned the Hoya de Monterey. Mm-hmm. Their dark Sumatra uh, oh. is delicious. I, you know, delicious cigar. There is a cigar, and I should get one of these and smoke it to review on the show. It's a Hoya de Monterey and one other cigar maker. Um, like, is it like a collaboration? It's like a collaboration, and oh man, it's good. That nice. cigar is. I thought it was just like a. It came out a number of years ago, and I thought it was just like a limited release. But apparently, I still see them in cigar shops. Awesome. So I want to point out during the break, I went and got a, a little bit of uh, filtered water mm-hmm. and dropped a little bit into this whiskey, and boy, did it blossom! Yes, like wow. I uh, I took some of that as well, and I'm loving like this there is vanilla Rio and brown yeah. sugar, and like it is. 
this to me is very much a Texas whiskey. This is what Texas whiskey should be. Well, this is this is all now about the flavors that I really love in a whiskey. Uh, is is what I'm getting now with just a little bit of water yep. added to this. So yep. uh, the brown sugar I love. It gives it a sweetness. Um, any real harshness is completely gone. Yes. And uh, it, and it then didn't the vanilla affect the heat at all, which is no. kind of funny because usually that'll that'll change the heat a little bit. The heat's exactly the same, but everything else is smoothed out. And it, man, this is it's almost too easy to drink. To be honest, <laughs> with a little I bit could, of water, yeah, I could go through mm-hmm. quite a bit of this, and then mm. I have to Uber home. <laughs> so I have in my hand here. Yes, this is the. Let's see if I can say all this. The smashed, grabbed, and hop dusted mm-hmm. IPA. That's right, and this is from uh, the guys in um, the Jolly Pumpkin uh, a Brewing Company. Jolly Pumpkin Artisan Ales is the name. That of the says on here Holy Mountain and Jolly Pumpkin. Maybe I maybe a collaboration. That's entirely maybe, possible. I don't yeah. know. Uh, I think Jolly Pumpkin uses a lot of this. And hold that for the camera, Ian, so they can see the kind of strangeness of the writing. You know, it's like. It looks like 64 fonts all used together, almost like a, a ransom note, you know? <laughs> the artist was busy. <laughs> yes. Uh, and like, it's a very getting, They're odd, getting their money's worth, aren't it? It looks like the guy that did all those Journey album covers back in the <laughs> it 80s does, actually. drank a lot of the Artisan Ale and then did the cover. <laughs> That's what it looks like. So. so let's see if I can not wrestle with this one and open it. It's a bomber. Oh, yes. Nice. Uh, so that was a nice little uh, kersploosh and... Uh, uh, tell me, uh, tell me this thing. This, this bomber. Um, let me, <laughs> let me read you what it says while you're getting the cups out. Uh, <laughs> on, on the back label, it says, "Have you ever been smashed, grabbed, and hop dusted? It's what can happen should you take a trip to Holy Mountain, a surreal David Lynch biker psychological thriller kidnap movie with Liam Neeson or Jason Statham." Only there is no Liam Neeson or Jason Saddam. Only good friends handing you delicious delights of hops and joy. Feel familiar? Then you've been hop dusted. Own it. That's pretty intense. Yes, it is. <laughs> Cheers and mahalo plenty, it says. And uh, there's even on the back, there's a sour level at the time of drinking. Share with us on social media. So I guess what I'm kind of getting from that is that maybe as this ages it becomes more or less sour i don't know ah. but it's a fascinating idea to say the least uh this is one of the more unusual i would say one of the more unusual bottles we've ever had uh, on the show i think it got a little cold yeah oh see for me i love that because i am a cold beer guy there was, even, there was even a the little beers. bit of ice in that. Oh, see, that's my favorite. I'm going to love this already. That's my favorite. See, and I know I'm not supposed to. I know I'm supposed to like it at room temperature. But, dude, <laughs> I love it when there's a little frost on the top of the beer. I actually handed Bobby his. So, Oh, sorry. I just handed Bobby another one. Bobby's well, getting drunk today. Bobby will uh, Bobby will have plenty of this. That's okay. Idea. I'll give you this, this one and I'll good. recover All right, very Bobby's good. So, second beer. All right. So as you're doing that. I will take the first smell, and it's actually citrusy, which is surprising me. Oh, yeah, it's big citrusy. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting, you know, very hop-forward, you know, sort of, well, as it as the name implies, you know, smashed, grabbed, and hop-dusted. It's so cold. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> it does have a little Maybe. bitter. It's got a little citrus and a little bitter to it. Mm-hmm. 
So um, on the smell, you haven't tasted yet, have you? No, I just tasted. Oh, you did. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, it's, first first thoughts. Okay, so the in- interesting is this has such a citrusy, hoppy smell to it wow, that the like sour. That just goes i like it's you expect the sour because it's so citrusy like well it, i just saw this because this font is so damned hard to read uh on the label uh and you know in between phoenixes and unicorns and uh, idics and like all the other things that are on here <laughs> at the top though it says michigan sour beer oh i never saw that it did say either right here on the side though it did now. say i'm sour okay right, right. somewhere I'm on sour. the side so. so it is more like a sour citrusy ipa yes and sour in kind of a, in a good way, you know, like mm-hmm. you want you want a lime to be a little sour, you know, you want to say, but this is not just a lime. It's more like general citrus. It's got a little bit of like orange uh, uh, zest kind of flavor. Well, you're right. But the sourness is more of like a lime kind of sour more than a berry sour. Yes. Yes. You know, uh, definitely. So yes, it's a back of the tongue kind of sour. Like it doesn't hit the front of the tongue. sour. it's very back of the tongue kind of sour. Yes. Well, then I say, this is a really, really fun drink right here. Yeah, I, I'm liking this quite a bit, but I, I don't know. Wow. And I'm loving how cold it is, which you probably aren't, but I'm it's loving so it. It's so cold. Uh, <laughs> I have yeah. To, I have to warm it up with my hands now. Jolly Pumpkins Artisan Ales. So on the interesting Fantastic. side, I'm going to warm this up a little bit because I want to taste it mm-hmm. when it gets a little warmer. Um, that's just to see what happens because it's so interesting cold jolly pumpkin by the way is from dexter michigan apparently holy mountain is part of their like part of their culture part of their nomenclature i don't know if it's something in the area where they are maybe or or not but uh, maybe an area maybe a place Mm. Jollypumpkin.com if you want to look them up on the uh, on the interweb. Send us a message if you know anything about it. Yeah, I would love to talk to somebody who's we're, like, oh, we're dude, easy to I find love, on Facebook, by the way. Smoking that. and toasting on Facebook. Yes. And you've been uh, doing some posts on Instagram as well, I have right? been Instagramming this. So I'm just learning to Instagram, so everybody out there, bear with me, but uh, this thing goes like crazy. Mm-hmm. Like you put out a thing, and then everyone saw that I put out a thing, so they put out a thing, and then everyone's following everybody, and I don't really know how it works, but <laughs> there's so much, like my phone went from zero to instagram madness wow in like days and just from you posting pictures of cigars and whiskey right and yeah stuff. and I, yeah. i'm having a good time with it and you know you get on there and other people are posting stuff so you know you're always throwing out the love and all that so it's pretty fun actually mm, mm, mm. so i'm what's, digging this what's your third thoughts on I'm this dig- one well i'm digging it as i as I drink it further, I get more of that lime sour that we were talking about. I agree. I it agree. becomes a little more prominent in the flavor. And I don't know if I like it as much as I did before that was as prominent. I'm kind of liking it. Like, I almost want a little bit of lime pulp in this. Mm-hmm. Like, in a good way, you know? Mm-hmm. I like pulpy orange juice, too. Isn't it interesting, me. you know, the world that we live in now where... There are so many different iterations of craft beer and so many different flavors that you can pull out of it that we're debating whether we would like pulp in this or not. I mean, <laughs> if you think about that, I mean, right. that's a pretty cool thing. I mean, we're, I don't know. I just, so I am, we live in a great world. Man, our fathers, they had three beer choices. Yeah, that right. was it, you know? I am constantly warming this in my I hand right that, now yeah, just because I, to, I like really want to, before the show's over, I want to try it when it's not just devastating cold. Well, this has already warmed up a little bit, and I think it has changed the flavor profile. It does, yes, mm-hmm. yes, this very is. much so. And I like to, I like to personally think that if a beer is a stand-up beer, it's good when it's not as cold. I, mm-hmm. I'm not saying I want to drink it at room temperature, but I because I, I like cold beer. But 
uh, at the same time, good beers I don't feel like at the end of the at the end of the beer has to be super cold. I remember reading once that Jimmy Johnson, the uh, former uh, head coach of the Dallas Cowboys and now a sports commentator on Fox, that his drink of choice was Heineken over ice. Ice over and I, ice. And I thought, you know what, that might work because Heineken is a strong enough beer flavor that it could handle a little dilution and still taste good. Huh. But, a, I, but I've never actually tried Heineken over ice. You know what? Okay, so as I warm this up with my hand, it loses some of the lime and gets some grapefruit to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets some grapefruit, and, and the sour smooths out a little bit. It's a smoother sour yes. when it's a little warmer. So even though I haven't been warming mine in my hand like you have, just it sort of warming up from the initial pour... I'm tasting some of that as well. That's a fun beer. Yes, it is. I'm going to have my glass. Now, this, this would be, I'm going to say recommendation, buy one of these and wait till a good friend comes over, share it, and talk about it. Yeah. That's the kind of beer that's this got. Is. That's got a lot of interesting Smash stuff going on. Smash grabbed and hop dusted. Wow, what a great show, Ian. Thank you for uh, uh, all the great stuff you brought in. Thanks for having that's me. That's great. Uh, it's going to be a, uh, an interesting week, and we'll be back with you one week from today with show number 40, our anniversary show. Or refusing of the lights. This is Radio Brave. Keep listening. It gets even better. Now let's do it up. Radio Brave.